Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. As always, your three-legged stool coming to you from the Northland, talking all things houses, home inspections, and anything else that's rattling around in our heads. Well, welcome to today's episode, where we're going to discuss the top five biggest finds that a home inspection will reveal. Big bombs. Let's just call it that. Because uh, these, in theory, could blow up a deal. And uh, Ruben, Tessa, you're going you're gonna to lay it all out, right? Oh, yeah. I, I definitely have my top five. And what, what's special about today's show, though, is that Tessa has her top five. And Bill, you've got your top five, right? Absolutely not. What? What? No, because I have an opinion about everything you guys are going to say. Well, I... And I have an opinion about all I'm going to say too, but I don't have a top five. I do have a one with a bullet that I would probably walk away from. And okay. Then I have opinions on most of the rest of it. All right. And you know, with these, I want us Tess, let's just make sure that we're not being super generic because I see so many of these lists. They're like, Oh, the top 10 things that your home inspector may reveal. And it's like the top 10 categories of things that we look at. It's like, number one, electrical problems. Number two, plumbing problems. And it's it's no. so generic, it's just worthless. And I, I, I want to be specific. Like, pick a certain comment that we might use in our inspection yeah. software and say, like, these are the top five comments that might go in a report. Let's drill down to that level of specificity. How's that sound? I like it. I like it. Yeah. You know, just thinking about some of the past inspections I've done and thinking about it in terms of like the most significant discoveries from my experience of things that I found that just devastated, you know, buyers understanding of the house. And I can't say that it, it's, you know, prevented them from moving forward with the deal, but it was, it definitely freaked them out and made them think twice, I think before buying the house. Okay, good. We're on the same page then. Okay, good. All right. So let's start with your first one that you're going to say. This might not be number one on your list, but what's Mm -hmm. your first very specific bomb that gets thrown into the real estate transaction? Okay. Well, like you just said, you know, I don't have a number one, two, three rank. They're kind of, they're all the same playing field, same level here in terms of devastation factor. But the first one that I, that I was thinking about was wood foundations in houses. And I know we've talked about them on, you know, past podcasts. They're not all that common in our area and you don't run into them frequently. But when you do, a lot of times, if you, if you know the right places to look and you can dig a little bit deeper, you'll usually find some evidence of water intrusion in the basement. And when you do on a wood foundation, that's a big problem. Obviously it's, you know, the foundation is what holds up the house. And when it starts getting wet and rotting, then you have major structural foundation issues. And it's usually not a cheap, easy thing to fix. And sometimes these wood foundations, they're not obvious. You can get around the entire exterior of the house, inspect the whole thing. And then the last few steps that you're taking on the outside, you realize, wait, that's I'm not seeing, I haven't seen any concrete block. I haven't seen any, any poured foundation material. And I'm seeing this plywood covering, like what's going on here. So I think one of the first wood foundation houses I had, I almost, I almost missed it because of that. I always wonder if I've ever missed one myself. Some of the times when you find it out, it's so late in the game and you're like, wait a minute. 
yeah, and your mind blows and you're just like, oh my God. So yeah, wood foundations and and a lot of times too, they're completely finished on the inside. Like you said, Ruben, like you can't determine it from the inside and you have to know what you're looking for when you're on the outside. So yes. they can be tricky. Oddly enough, you selected the one thing that would cause me to walk away from a house. Not because I think they're awful and they're terrible and they're nasty. I've just owned enough one-off things in my life that I've had to try to turn around and get rid of. And when it comes to that, it's always a harder negotiation. I've done this with vehicles. I've done it with boats. I've done it with a couple different things. And I've just decided I don't want these kinds of weird one-off things. Well, thanks, so, Bill. I was, I was this close to finalizing our partnership with the American Wood Council for this <laughs> podcast, but I can throw that out the window now. <laughs> Well, I, I will say this. I mean, the material that used in a wood foundation can be wet all the time and it shouldn't be a problem. It's meant to be in contact with moisture. And so it really shouldn't be a problem. I just don't want it. I don't want to deal with it. However, I sat through a seminar by this guy. It's the best seminar I've ever been to. It's an eight-hour seminar on permanent wood foundations. And the guy teaching this said, if you've got water and a wood foundation, you can see that from the inside, you have a completely failed water management system. There are so many layers and every one of these steps is to make sure that no water ever touches that thing. So many things in, in place to make sure that it does not get wet. And once it does get wet and you can see that water on the inside, every one of those layers has failed and you've got a serious concern. So I, I just don't want people to get the, the idea that you got a wet wood foundation, it's okay. It's not, it's not, it, it should never be wet. Oh, all right. Gosh, and how many times have we seen all of those layers fail? So many, so many. It's, yeah. it's it feels like the majority of permanent wood foundations. Yeah. People know that there's all these different layers, so they get really relaxed about it and they don't put gutters on and they have bad grading and yep. yeah. All yeah. this other stuff. Okay, Ruben, what's one of your top five? I, I want to change mine now because that's much better than what I had. I agree with Tess, but what I had written down was some specific problems with concrete block foundations. And I, I really, I'm thinking about long horizontal cracks where yeah. you've got big movement of the foundation walls, where you've got cracks, yes. you know, half inch, inch thick cracks, and you've got obvious signs of the wall starting to collapse or bow in. That's yeah. a big concern. It doesn't happen a lot. It's infrequent, but usually you can you can guess where it's going to be happening just by walking around the outside of the house. And it's, it's exactly what we just talked about. It's poor water management. It's soil pressures against the foundation walls, having no gutters and the ground slope back towards the house. All that water pools, freezes, and then it pushes the foundation walls in. That's a scary one. People freak out about those issues. That would be one of the things I wouldn't want to deal with if I was buying a house. It is fixable, but I mean, you're talking about rebuilding portions of a foundation. No, no not necessarily. You might remove some dirt and put some, you know, some bracing in there, maybe try to push it back or something like that and then regrade. And, but yeah, there, there's a lot of ways it? to deal with it. You can use, you can use big plates that go out right. in, in, in the yard and, and helical piers. Mm -hmm. And you can use these reinforcing beams. There's lots of ways to address it, but it freaks the heck out of people anyway. Well, yeah, but where do you always see it? 
on these mid fifties ramblers that are 60, 70 feet long, it seems like, and they've got these gigantic basements and there's nothing to brace back that wall in the middle. Yep. My little 28 by 30 foundation here in the city is not going to have a bowed wall because there's probably not enough pressure on it. It's not long enough really anywhere. There's a corner brace at, at multiple points. Plus I have a center concrete wall that goes down, right? They say it just depends. The The wide open spaces leave room for these kinds of things to happen. So that's and, right. Well, and soil conditions have a huge, you know, part to play too. And we, you know, living in the Twin Cities, we know of certain areas too that houses tend to have issues with foundations because of the, the water table and soil pressures and all that stuff too. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's one specific suburb that is, is very nice in the Twin Cities that has some pretty poor soil and it's got a lot of ramblers. Call I mean, there's out. pockets of, uh, of Edina that have lots of ramblers in them and not all the soil in Edina is all that great. When, when a lot of those houses were being built, those, those big ramblers, they, they weren't touching up against all the marginal land. That happens to be sort of a pocket of not the greatest yeah. soil. In, right? That is my first time hearing about Edina ramblers being a problem. I didn't say they're a problem. I just said there's some pretty heavy soil in Edina. We, that's, would we all agree that's a fair statement? I'm not qualified to comment. Seen a lot of sump pumps running a lot in Edina, haven't you? I suppose I have. Yeah, I was thinking of, you know, Minneapolis along Minnehaha and of lakes. I mean, so yeah, bad. really bad around there. It doesn't matter what size your foundation is. You can have a, a 20 by 20 foundation and, and it'll be bowing or shifting or there'll be some major cracks happening. Well, and not only that, there's there's another area. We just discussed this on our, our internal structure tech communication platform about an area in Robbinsdale where it was really similar. It reminded me of that area in Minneapolis yeah. along the Minnehaha where I'm not going to talk about the exact location, but I believe we had an engineer at the city say they would never buy a house in this particular area. Wow. <laughs> Scared the heck out of me. Well, Highland, like Highland Park too and, and along the river has some places where they have these hydraulic sump pumps that run like nonstop. And I, I don't know if it's because there's a lot of springs over here. It's kind of my neck of the woods. There's a lot of ramblers in my neighborhood too. What's next for you? Well, Ruben, you kind of stole mine, I guess. I, I had written down structural damage and I, I'm being way too generic there. And since you've already covered yes. like foundation problems, I will hit on another Another thing I've seen that can be structural damage that really freaks people out, fire damage. So there was one house I was inspecting. It was in, I think it was in Minneapolis and it was an older house, like 1920s or something. And it had been, it had been flipped. It looked beautiful on the outside. It was nice on the inside, all new paint, new flooring, new kitchen, everything looked great. And then got up to the attic, opened up the hatch, got in the attic and everything was just black charred the rafters looked like charcoal i could poke my all through it it was just dusty and and i thought oh my gosh <laughs> how how I, like i should not have walked on this roof <laughs> you know yeah. i'm really lucky i didn't break a rafter or something that was pretty shocking and it would take a lot of you know structural work and and carpentry and framing to to make that safe again. I don't know what happened on that one. I wish I could tell our listeners, you know, 
if the buyers move forward with it or not. But fire damage seems like a hidden, hidden fire damage is a big, scary unknown for a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have personally never inspected a house where I saw signs of a previous fire and I was really concerned about structural damage. What I, what I've seen, I mean, dozens, maybe hundreds, probably dozens of times is where there's signs of a previous fire. It's mostly smoke damage. I mean, you've got black in the attic, yeah. but very little charring, but it was enough where they sprayed everything sprayed white, mm -hmm. mostly to conceal the odor, to just kind of conceal that it. smoke damage, encapsulate it. Mm -hmm. Or I've seen it in basements too. I've seen both of those. Yeah. And, you know, we, we definitely don't miss it. You talk about it, you explain what this is to your clients. And most people kind of go, Okay. All right. Got it. I, I wish I would have known that ahead of time, but I think most of the time the deals would go through. But I remember there was one situation where I, I had some clients, the basement was sprayed white. And later on a contractor told them it's only sprayed white because you had a fire here and they freaked out and they were ready to move out because oh, wow. they, yeah, because yeah. They thought that they were going to be breathing something bad. And I don't remember what else. And I went over there and we picked at the wood. We did everything. There's absolutely no signs of a previous fire. They just painted it white. That's all it was. <laughs> but I mean, they were ready to move out of that house. So wow. it, it does freak people out. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Ruben, your second very specific concern with the house. All right. Second one, this would be stucco siding failures. And we're talking about mm -hmm. stucco put on probably in the nineties or two thousands and it's experienced water intrusion and everything behind the stucco is a rotted mushy mess. That would be number two. And yeah. I'm being really specific because we've seen a ton of them. This is not just some <laughs> one-off thing where it happens occasionally. There's a lot of those houses. Yeah, I yeah. probably won't buy that house either. I just won't buy the stucco houses from the from the nineties and uh, watch it. Watch it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they don't have a problem today. They're gonna have a problem at some point. Right? Anyone that's listening to this podcast point. and doesn't know Ruben lives in a house that's is it nineties or early two thousands? That's stucco. Early two thousands, stucco yeah, on the but front. It's just the front facade. It's you know, when well, you tear off and... that OSB, it'll be nothing to replace. And you had it tested. You had intrusive I, moisture testing done, which is something we, I, now I could, I would say, you know, Bill, I don't have as strong feelings as you do about never buying a house at Stucco. That's, you know, a, a newer build, but I, if I bought one, I would definitely test it, do intrusive moisture testing yeah, on that, it beforehand. That's, that's exactly my feeling. I've never said I wouldn't buy a Stucco house. I just wouldn't buy it without having tested. That's all. Yeah. And so you're going to continue to test over time to make sure that things aren't changing. And I have. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. How well, often do you, you do that? I, I'd say as often as we do a video shoot at my house to demonstrate <laughs> the process. <laughs> okay. No, I, no, but seriously, if nothing has changed, I mean, the house was built in 2002. I mean, it's 20 years old now. It's never experienced water intrusion. Nothing has changed. All the caulking has been maintained. I really don't see any reason to test every year. I mean, maybe yeah. once every five years. Seriously, yeah. I, I really have no concerns about it. Tessa, number three. All right, Ruben, I bet you have this one on your list too. It's one of those electrical things. Aluminum branch circuit wiring. Boom. <laughs> yep. I have the exact same thing written yeah. down, Tessa. I think that is the, the one 
the one thing we've talked about so far of all these defects that I have seen the most deals fall through on where yeah. people just are like, okay, I, I'm, I'm not moving forward with the purchase of this house. Once they understand what it is and the risk involved with buying a house with that and the cost of potentially fixing that issue. For anyone that's not listening, aluminum branch circuit wiring, we're talking about aluminum wiring that goes to like lights and receptacles, outlets, that's aluminum. And we we find that in houses like from the mid 60s to the mid 70s. I've even seen, I think as late as like mid to late 70s in some houses. And aluminum has a much higher kind of expansion contraction rate than copper. And so at all those points where the wire stops and starts junction boxes and you know whatever at switches and outlets then that wire will expand and contract when it heats up and cools down and then you get a loose connection which can lead to arcing and sparks and fires and so this type of wiring is a lot more prone to fires and safety issues with it so ruben you've got a great blog about aluminum branch circuit wiring anyone that's listening to this and wants to know more check out ruben's blog on it but this one seems to be like the number one deal killer that i've seen yep remind me again why the larger wires are just fine to be aluminum but yet the smaller branch circuits the 14 twos the 12 twos seem to be a problem well it's it's not the fact that it's a larger wire but you minimize the number of connections it's typically going to connect to a circuit breaker that's rated for aluminum conductors. And then it's gonna go directly to the appliance and it's gonna make one more physical connection right at say a receptacle. I mean, let's say we got an oven, it's gonna go right to the oven's receptacle. And then the receptacle might be rated for aluminum conductors. And the alloys in those newer aluminums are far less expansive. So it's all these different things put together where you have far fewer points of potential failure. In fairness to aluminum, and I probably won't want this either, but I'm not sure I would completely walk away from the perfect house in the perfect location because it had aluminum branch circuit wiring. There's fixes. You You can add pigtails in the junction boxes and so on and so forth. It's just, is there enough room inside these junction boxes to have all this stuff? stuffed in there and then connect make all these connections with copper or whatever i get it it's it's a big deal but sometimes as they say in real estate location 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 yeah i was gonna say there was a guy who moved forward with the purchase of a house that had aluminum brand circuit wine because he was an electrician doing this inspection and you know and he's like oh all right i'm gonna rewire this house and he did it but sure i think yeah. I mean, I personally wouldn't want to deal with that. I wouldn't want to hire an electrician to rewire my house and spend tens of thousands of dollars doing that. I mean, how much do you think that would cost if you just completely rewire a standard like 2000 square foot house these days? Tessa, it depends. Come on. I mean, give me a ballpark. $22,000. I mean, okay. Thank you. No That's a, that sounds, no that idea. sounds okay to me. Cause for me, if, if I guess at this, I'm just like, pick a number out of the air and um, it's likely to be right as I am. I need no variables whatsoever, Bill. It's $22,000 on the nose. All right. All right. Okay. Getting over to you. What's your third big bombshell? Oh yeah. That was Tessa's. I was thinking that was mine. Okay. This would be a, a roof problem, a roof that needs replacement. Nobody knows about it. They're thinking everything's great and the roof is toast. That one always freaks people out too. That's the least scary thing in my mind. Man. Like I, I didn't put that on my list because a roof needing to be replaced and 
having issues is very common in a, a we're just talking shingles routine, now right yeah it's a routine yeah. maintenance thing that every roof is going to have to be replaced at some point you know so in my mind that's yeah people freak out about it but it wouldn't deter me as a buyer okay i'm not worried about a roof and here's why it's one of these things i get people expect it to be good and working right but as you just said tessa in the course of your ownership Unless you're going to be there for just a couple, three years or something, you're probably going to be replacing a roof. But going down a little bit of a tangent, one thing that would deter me is buying. I would not want to buy a house with a flat roof here in Minnesota. I wouldn't want to deal with that. That would deter me. I wouldn't want to have to deal with the maintaining a flat roof and rubber mem- membranes and leaks and no attic space to properly air seal or insulate and just, I mean, physics. Go against <laughs> physics in general. I can't, I can't get behind it, at least not in our climate. Yeah. If I, if I was living in like Arizona or something, that might be fine, but not. I would be much more inclined to object to gableitis than I would a flat roof. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gableitis can cause problems too. Sometimes All right. gutters can't fix them. Yeah. Tessa, we're back to you. Number four. Well, gosh, we've covered most of my, most of my stuff. I think the last one that I have is wet basements, wet basements or basements that may not be currently wet at the time of the inspection, but there are telltale signs of water intrusion with rotted tack strips and mold issues that's been tried to be hidden. I think that's, I've seen people really freak out about that. Agreed. I thought about putting that one on my list, like, like yeah. concealed moisture, yeah. finished areas. Yes. Yeah. Nobody yep. wants to deal with that. Yep. Nope. Okay. Ruben, what, what, What's bringing up the rear and your list? Knowing last, that aluminum branch wiring was on there and now you're done after this. Yeah, this is my last <laughs> one. You guys can probably guess what this one is too. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if Tessa had this for her last one and it's it's big sewer issues. Oh gosh, I how did I not have that on my list? I want to add <laughs> that to my, I'm adding it to my list. Thanks. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're both kind of trying to steal each other's stuff here yeah. for sure. But yeah. that, that's a big one and stuff that people usually don't know about and it can be really expensive. Mm-hmm. Not always, but usually, usually sewer digs can be very expensive. It can put you in a really crappy situation too. Yep. <laughs> backup, sewer backups. Nobody wants to deal with a sewer backup in your basement either or in your house. Well, if the line's oh. broken, it's just running to God knows where. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. Not all the time do you have a backup evident when you've got sewer issues. The backups are probably more likely because of roots. True. Yeah. Yeah. So much yeah. of this can be fixed. It's it's just a matter of finding out that the issue is there. I mean, stucco is obviously in your face from the moment you pull up. You know the year of the house. You know if it's got stucco. So that's like, okay, got to cross that off. Wood foundations are something you're going to find. And then you're going to have to have that conversation with somebody. I feel like that's a variable that you can't negotiate. You're like, and then everything else to me can be discussed. Everything else can be discussed. So what we end up doing then is finding out what's there and let's have a conversation with it, with the agent, with the, everybody before you own it. Because the last thing you want to do is actually own something that you didn't know about. Yeah. Surprises are no fun. Well, it, it, they're no fun. And people, people just, they want blood at that point. I'm taking money out of my pocket. I want you to take money out of your pocket. You should have known this or something of that nature. It always seems funny, though, that they never seem to be mad at the sellers. They're only mad at whoever didn't find it. And fair enough. They hired us to find things. I get it. 
going to say with the wave of that have foregone the home inspection in the last few years because of the crazy market, I mean, people might be mad at sellers now instead of inspectors if they didn't get a home inspection. That's, that's scary territory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we should bring this episode to a close. I hate to have been so cavalier of my uh, only having a couple like real deal breakers, but you guys are so much more detailed about it. So I'm stuck on location, location, location. Good real estate's hard to come by. So when you get it's a true. chance to buy it, you yeah. want to jump on it. Money can fix anything, right? But you can't, money cannot, uh, I guess you could move a house. You could argue that you could move a house, but yeah, when you buy a house, <laughs> the location does not change typically. Yeah. Right. We had to overpay for ours so many years ago. And at the time it felt really stressful, but looking back, you're like, well, that was a no brainer. And you should have seen the warts that came with this piece of property. Holy cow. It was ugly from tip to toe, from inside to out, but over time it becomes your home and you start fixing things and you start making it your own. And so what? It just, it becomes part of the process. So, and that's what makes a house a home, not just a house. All right. Words of Enough wisdom said. spoken by a bill. Nobody yep. wants to hear me go anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, listen, I know everybody's like real estate, real estate, real estate, buy real estate, flip it, make money and go get a bigger one. And I'm a hold person in real estate, buy and hold, but that's just me and different strokes for different folks. So, mm -hmm. all right, enough said. I'll, I'm going to put a wrap on this episode. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. As always, thank you for listening. Please send your questions. We are always happy to hear from our audience. Thanks for listening. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech.com.